Hey everybody, Dave Riesinger here. Thank you for tuning in. I don't think it's an accident that you ended up uh, clicking on this video and I really believe that God has something really, really special for you today. Um, we are celebrating Father's Day. Um, if you're watching this and you're a dad, I wanna give a shout out to you and uh, just encourage you, dads, mentors, those who play father figure roles in the lives of others. Let's throw grandfathers in there. Uh, let me encourage you, your role is so vital, it's so significant, it's so important, especially in unprecedented times like this where we need leaders, we need men who will engage, who will guard, who will guide their families according to the love and the purpose and the will of God. And so we are praying for dads because we know that your job is not easy. And so big shout out, big high five to you dads. Um, I'm not actually gonna be preaching a message specifically for dads today. Um, so if you're a mom and you're like, ah, this doesn't apply to me and you're, you're about to click off, no, stay with us, just hang in there. Um, this will apply to dads, but it was interesting because every Father's Day, um, I, if I'm preaching, I'm bringing a word to dads and I just didn't have that spark of inspiration. I don't do uh, canned messages, I don't pull sermons out of drawers. I believe that the Lord wants to bring a fresh word and I believe that God speaks to us and through us according to what he has in the moment and any scripture is God breathed but I think there's uh, it's, it's so important that we say God what are you trying to say this week? What are you trying to say in this message? And the Lord just kind of reminded me Dave there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to preach according to your modern calendar. Um, and so I've been drawn to the 91st Psalm, Psalm 91, and we're going to be going through this for the next few weeks. And um, I know while, as I studied this, uh, I realized that this applies to dads in a big way. So let's just apply it uh, in that context and everybody else uh, apply it to your life. This is going to be really, really good. So the message today um, is called uh, The Secret Place. And Psalm 91 is without question one of the greatest gifts that God has given to humanity. What we see in this psalm, it comes with a key and it comes with an invitation to enter the most fortified realm of protection in the universe. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, panic rooms. Maybe you have one in your house. Uh, but these are actually on the rise. The, uh, the purchase and the design and the building of safe rooms or, uh, or underground bunkers, it's going through the roof right now. We're living in a time of chaos. Um, people, especially the ultra wealthy, are, are purchasing these things anticipating anarchy. Um, but if, if you don't know what a safe room is or a panic room, this is like a room in your house that would be um, really fortified. It would be designed so that if there was a home invasion, um, you could get the kids, get the dog, get mom and them, run into that room, lock it up, and wait it out. It's designed so that nobody could really break into it. In fact, there's varying degrees of panic rooms or safe rooms. Um, they have some that uh, you know are, can withstand a nuclear bomb um, that are decked out with gas masks and um, some that have... Uh, air filtration to deal with biological warfare and, and uh, chemical attacks. I mean, it, it, you know, it's kind of crazy what they have. 
Um, I have a, a buddy who's got a safe room in his house. And so he kind of walked me through, he just got done building the house and there's this massive wall and um, I won't tell you who he is or where he lives so that you don't find out the secret in case you want to invade his home. I don't want to give you a clue, okay? But uh, you can literally, I think it's a button you push and then you just shove this wall and I mean, it's just, it's miraculous. It's the coolest thing in the world. You go behind it, shut it and, and you're in there safe and you can play video games and have a Coke while people are robbing your house. And uh, so for me, I, I don't have one that elaborate, but I do have a safe room. I do have a panic room in my house. Uh, and I've trained my family like, hey, if anybody kicks the doors in, run into the garage. Uh, and the garage is our safe room because it is so cluttered and so full of junk that if somebody tried to get you in there, they would literally die tripping over the mess I have in there. Or let's say the home invader was like OCD they would break down in tears seeing the clutter and the disarray. <laughs> and, uh, and so I literally believe that's what would happen. So kids, you're in there. When you see the dude fall to his knees, break down in tears because this is too much for him. At that point, pop the garage door, go to the cops. So uh, that's, how I, that's how I protect my home. Um, but but I, this is so cool, man, because this passage uh, deals with especially in the day and age that we're living, this is designed for times or seasons where there's war, where there's uncertainty, where there's chaos, where there's violence, where there's fear and disease. Um, this is one of the treasures of the scripture, Psalm 91. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna discover with you, um, not just how to learn what it is, but how to live in what Psalm 91 promises, because I think there's about 18 promises of God's ultimate, amazing, divine protection for those, not for everybody. Now watch this, it's not just for believers. In fact, it's funny because this is such a special uh, Psalm that Satan himself quoted Psalm 91 when trying to dupe Jesus and tempt him in the wilderness. There are some powerful keys in this Psalm and if we can not just learn it, but we can live it, I honestly believe that God's promises are true and you and I are going to walk with an internal and even external protection that God offers to those who dwell in this secret place. So let's read here. It says, uh, verse one of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I wanna unpack this one verse. Um, I only have one other verse other than this, but I wanna unpack it um, because it's, it's the key to, to entering and walking in the rest of the promises. If we don't get verse one right, because this is a conditional promise. If we don't get verse one right, then the rest of it is not going to be accessible if God's word is true, and I believe it is. But notice the first thing said in verse one, it says, he who dwells. So what it means here is this is not a promise to a group of people. This isn't a promise to a nation. This is literally a personal individual promise um, that has a condition to the one who decides to actively dwell in the secret place. This protection that we'll unpack over the next few weeks this protection is available to you. And, uh, and yeah, we go through difficulties. Well, I'm not saying that this promises us that we'll never go through affliction 
or persecution or trial or tribulation. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to live to 120 years old. But as we go into it, you're going to see that you're probably more affected by fear and you're probably receiving the blows and the attacks of the enemy more than you should and there might be a reason why. So this word dwell, for he who dwells in the secret place. This word dwell is the Hebrew word yeshab and it means to sit, it means to remain or take up residence. This is like when you move into a house and you arrange the furniture and you decorate. So what God is saying is to the one who moves in as one moves into an apartment or one moves into a house, somebody that says my address and my location and where I lay my head and where I kick back and relax and where I rest and where I eat and where I live and where I find my comfort is in the secret place. Can you imagine the benefit if you and I would actively pursue and cross the line of not just knowing but living as though the presence of God was our residence. And I'm gonna talk about in a minute why this is not really easy, and it's not, right? And, and I think there's very few people, um, I struggle with this, I'm not where I need to be when it comes to this. But just breaking this down, he's saying, this protection is offered to the one who takes up residence and makes the secret place their home address, internally, and even externally, right? So there are many who believe in God. You might say, I don't believe in Jesus. I believe him. I, I know Jesus. I, I, I believe the Bible. I believe it's the word of God. I, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But th there is a difference. Uh, the Bible in John 15 might call this abiding, although there's a, a little bit different phraseology here. Uh, but just because you believe in God, doesn't mean that you're actively abiding in the secret place. So what is the secret place? In Hebrew, uh, this word means a covering. It means a hiding place. It's uh, likened to this idea of concealed by the strong shelter of a mountain. Now for you and I who are saved and you have been forgiven and redeemed, we know this, that Christ Jesus is our secret place. But it's not just that easy. It's not just like this Oh yeah, Jesus is the answer. Of course he is, but it's also an active, ongoing, heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, deep, intimate relationship that requires our engagement. It requires our effort. It requires our focus. It requires a resisting and a temptation to try and abide or dwell in something else when we're feeling stress or go to something else when we feel like all hell is breaking loose around us. Listen, this is the safest place you could ever go in the universe. It doesn't require that you have millions of dollars to build an underground bunker. You are safer in the secret place during chaos in our world than the most wealthy person who has the most uh, tricked out underground bunker. Because here's the thing, we're dealing also with the spirit that comes to attack us. And God says, I, I, may, I, I mostly, I wanna deal with the attacks that come against your heart and your mind because Satan's a master manipulator. And so what does it look like and what is the secret place? Um, the reason it's called a secret is not because God's hiding it from you and I, 
God's not hiding the secret place from us. God rather is hiding us in the secret place. He hides us in it. He doesn't hide it from us. But the reason I think that this term is used secret place is because something that's a secret is something that's not commonly seen or known. It's, it's not found easily. And when we walk in this world, we have a part of our nature that this flesh, that th this flesh, it wants what's easy. It wants to run to things that are contrary to the will of God. Um, I want to handle problems. Like when I wake up in the morning, the reason that I need to live in the secret place and the reason I need to spend time with God and learn to walk that out is because my flesh wants to handle stress. It wants to handle conflict. It wants to handle uh, solutions a totally different way. And it actually makes sense to my logical mind. But what he's saying here is the reason it's secret um, means a lot of people don't know about it or they don't end up finding it is because it's a harder place to enter because we have to crucify this flesh that fights um, us dragging it to the secret place. The flesh doesn't want to go there because these are, this is a spiritual realm that God wants us to operate. It's deep calling unto deep. It's the deepest part of me getting with God and communing with the deep heart and mind of the Lord. Followers of Jesus, this is interesting because followers of Jesus, we are called into community. Like this is why we do life groups. This is why during quarantine we have Zoom groups. We're called to be in fellowship and we're called to live from a place of togetherness. The Christian that says, I don't need people, is not somebody that has the real understanding of Christianity. You are saved individually, but you were called into community, right? So, so we are called to live in togetherness, in community, in fellowship with one another. From meals at a table to missions around the world, we go and we grow together. But this is the most powerful place that we're called to live from. And the secret place is not a place you can bring anybody with you. Yes, we're called to do life together. We're called to pray for one another. We're called to confess to one another. But when it comes to the secret place, this is the thing that feeds our community and feeds our togetherness and feeds our fellowship. But the secret place is a place where God calls you as an individual, as his child, to be with him at a personal level and there's no one you can take with you in the secret place. It is just you and God. It's the authentic you and the authentic God. Notice whose place it is. The, the, the secret place of the Most High. It's His. It belongs to Him. And He invites you into it so He can speak to you and pour His heart out into you. This place is, if you think about in Scripture, yes, it's a picture of our abiding in Christ, but you look at Moses Okay, so look at how people were formed, how they were crafted, and how God used them publicly because of what they were, were, what was forged in them in the private moments with God outside of the view of anybody else. Check this out. If you think, man, I want to have influence, I want to make a difference in this world, the best way to make a difference in the public forum is to get ultra-focused and passionate about the private place with you and God, the secret place. 
because what happens outside of the view of other people where it's just you and God will directly correlate with the manifestation of his glory, his power, his love, his favor, his ability, his wisdom in the public forum. Who I am in private is going to totally manifest itself in public. And man, I want, I want the, the conversations with God in private to dictate how I engage a world right now that is on fire, that is hostile, that is divided and fearful and in panic. Because listen, God's safe place or secret place, it's not called a panic room because there's no panic involved there, right? So here you have Moses. Moses has this responsibility of leading the children of Israel. He's shepherding these people and he's got all of this responsibility dealing with complainers and it's a big load. And what does he do? He, he shows us a picture of what it's like to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Moses cuts away from the responsibilities. Well, they need you, Moses. Well, you know, I know they need me. And, and I know God set me as a leader. But if I don't get up on that mountain and have a face-to-face -face where I hide myself in the cleft of the rock and let God's glory pass before me, then I have nothing to give these people. If I'm giving them the worn-out version of me, whether it's your wife, your husband, your kids, your friends, your ministry, your job, I'm telling you right now, the way that we have a full tank and a well to draw from is when we leave the congregation for times of not isolation, but solitude, right? This isn't isolation where I'm just by myself for the sake of not wanting to be around people, but I've got to trust God that the world's gonna go on, the planets are still gonna spin, that things are gonna get handled if I can't be present for these times to climb the mountain to meet with God. And what happened? When, when, when Moses met with God in the secret place, he came back down with the, the Ten Commandments. He also came back down with the glow and the glory of God on his face in such a way that the children of Israel, they couldn't even look at Moses because he looked so much like God that the sinful flesh couldn't take it and they made him put a washcloth over his face. Okay, it was like a veil, right? But they were like, cover your face. We can't look at this. And I'm not saying that if you have an amazing prayer time that like you're gonna walk through your kitchen and your kids are gonna start falling out in the spirit by looking at you. Please don't think that, uh, uh, that, that that's gonna happen. Maybe it will. The point is, is that people will recognize the presence of God in you when you've been with him. He rubs off on you when you spend time in his presence. This is also a picture um, of the, the Old Testament priest. And so once a year, the Old Testament high priest, he would go through this process of stages and ceremonies, preparing himself to make atonement for the sins of the people for that last year. And he'd go to the outer court, from the outer court he'd go to the inner court, and everybody could see him. It'd be like, hey, there's Bob the high priest. He'd be like throwing friendship pistols, like, hey, Svetlana, hey, Yuri, I don't know why they're Russian, but. Uh, he, he was in the eyes of everybody, lighting the incense, you know, washing with water. But when it came time to do the real work that made the greatest difference, he went behind a veil and no one could come with him. Nobody saw him. He went into the Holy of Holies where he would just meet with God face to face or in his presence, one on one, and he would present the blood of the animal sacrifice 
and he would present it on behalf of the people that were outside of his view. And what happened in the secret place with one priest and the true God would, would directly impact millions of people, the children of Israel, the children of God. So look at the power. And then Jesus, of course, he goes into the most holy place in the heaven, the heavenly tabernacle. And what Jesus did in that place for us directly impacted us and was the saving grace for humanity. This is another picture of David. And again, look at these people who were used by God. And God forged this amazing public ministry and world-changing, dynamic anointing. But where was it forged? There's David. He's a shepherd boy. He's on the backside of a, of a hill um, in Bethlehem. He's tending his father's sheep. Nobody's around. It's just him. And he's out there doing his responsibility, slinging rocks, protecting these sheep. But at night, when the stars would come out night after night, there's David singing to the Lord. There's David... Uh, you know, bringing his heart to the Lord. And there's this kid who was being forged to become king in the secret place outside of the eyes of anyone else. And it was those times where he was meditating on the Lord, those times that he saw power show up and a lion came and a bear came. And because he knew his God, he rose to the challenge because he had a courage that was crafted in the secret place that it didn't matter how intimidating the enemy was that came against him. He knew his God and he knew his God's power in a deep way because it was burned into his heart on those starry nights when it was just him, his voice, a grassy hill, and the presence of God. And from there he conquered Goliath and then he became king, the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel other than Jesus Christ who will one day come and sit on the throne of David. Why did God use David so much? The same reason that he used Moses so much. Yes, he chooses and he calls people, but David submitted to the way. And what was the way? The way was, I know for me to be successful, I've got to live from the secret place, the presence of God. And of course, we see Jesus. Jesus, he often retreated into solitude with God after long days of casting out demons, cleansing lepers, healing the sick, feeding the multitudes, teaching the kingdom of God. And the crowds demanded, they wanted more, more, more. And Jesus even had to peel away and he would get by himself and he would spend the night in prayer or he would get up a good time before sunrise and he would spend time in prayer. So here's the thing, the, the, the secret place, it's, it's, it's not just a time with God because as you mature, the secret place becomes a lifestyle where you could actually be around people and in your heart be present with the Lord one-on-one -on -one as you're trying to process what you should do and what you should say in a moment. But it takes time. And it takes time disciplining ourselves to say nothing is more important than being with God because what happens in here and what happens in here when it's just me and Him will impact every other circle in my life. And then as I come to a close here, we see Jesus calling us to do the same thing. He reveals the supernatural connection and correlation between our public and private lives in Matthew 6, 6. He says, but when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Now we pray together, there's, there's, that's biblical. But Jesus is talking about crafting life in the secret place. 
Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So Moses had a mountain, and he had a private campsite. David had the, the joys and the thrill of living in adventure on the hills of Bethlehem, and also crying the tears of agonies, of agony and pain as he's being hunted down by Saul in the caves of Adullam. And in those places, these men and women of God met with the Lord in a special way, and they changed the world, they saved their people, and God used them to inspire us thousands of years later because they walked according to the protection, the provision, and the power of God that can only be found when you and I say nothing is more important than His presence. You know, this is so cool because when you read this scripture, and I will close with this, the word most high, so there's some cool words in here. The word most high means supreme authority, the pinnacle of strength, the most elevated and exalted name. So those who dwell in the secret place of the supreme authority, there's no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. It says, shall abide. This word abide means to lodge or pass the night. Now check this out. When I dwell and I make my residence in the secret place of the supreme authority, it says that I will pass the night the darkness of night, the darkness of the season. I will pass the night under the shadow of the Almighty. Some of you are passing the night in terror and agony and fear. Some of you are passing the night with sleeplessness. Some of you are passing the night with alcohol. Some of you are passing the night with pills and drugs. Some of you are passing the night trying to forget about your problems and numb your problems. Why? Because you're not abiding in the secret place, but if you will, knowing he's the supreme authority, the night will pass and it will pass with you under the covering of his protection. That's the promise to the one who actively engages. And then finally it says, under the shadow of the Almighty. Almighty means all sufficient. God has everything you need in his supply. So let me read this and then I'm gonna pray. If I was to rewrite Psalm 91.1 with those definitions, here's how it would read. To the one who actively makes their home in the presence of the Lord, whose name, glory, and authority is supreme above all others, this person shall pass the darkness of night under the protective covering of the almighty, all-sufficient God. I don't know where you're at. I don't know your level of stress. We all face it. No one's perfect. I know I can do better here. Um, but let's take a journey through Psalm 91. I'm going to ask you, Get your Bible and read this chapter. It's not very long. Read this chapter every day. And then ask God, after you're done reading it every day, ask God to show you how to pray according to what you just read. And as we, for the next few weeks, go through this, let's also pray that God would call us not just to learn, but to live in the presence of Jesus Christ and experience the protection protection from fear, anxiety, worry, trouble, and not just that, but the protection that doesn't make sense logically on the outside. I believe that God is going to show some of you um, a protection of things that are surely coming, and yet God's gonna put a wall up and a defense because he shields those who live in him. 
If you're here and you're watching, and maybe you don't know this Jesus, or this God I'm talking about, maybe you've thought religious, religion was foolish. I'm telling you, there's a God who loves you and he loves you so much, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. And I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but when I look at the news um, and I hold my Bible at the same time, there is a picture coming together. And again, I'm not calling dates, but the Bible says, be ready, turn to me, repent. There's life everlasting, but I am the way, I am the truth. You can't, you can't receive salvation and relationship and reconciliation with the Father unless you receive the free gift of Jesus Christ, his blood shed on the cross, his life given for you, his resurrection to, to prove that he conquered death, hell, and the grave so that he could prove that he could take you um, from death and bring you into life and eternal life at that. And so if you've not received Christ, I just wanna pray. Why don't you just pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those watching, you're, you're tugging on their heart, and I ask that you would move in a mighty way. Lord, forgive their sin. Lord, draw them into a relationship with you. God, show them your love. God, I pray that you would put a desire to study the word, to find Christian community, and to be the person that you've called them to be. And Lord, for the rest of us, draw us into the secret place. No excuses, no more mediocrity, no more allowing our flesh to lead and dictate our lives. May we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name.